Good evening, good evening, and welcome to the evening service. What a beautiful day the Lord gave us. How many of you got your naps in this afternoon? Okay, Brother Dave, you should be able to stay awake, most of them anyway. So I didn't get a nap in, so I have an excuse, I can sleep. But uh, anyway, it's uh, great to have you all. If you're a guest, uh, please stop by the, the Welcome Center and uh, fill out a card and, and let us give you a gift. If you're visiting online for the first time, let us know that you're out there. It's always an encouragement. The revival has already started, and uh, tonight is the uh, second service of it. Tomorrow, 6 o'clock, we have dinner for anybody who wants to join us. Uh, we have a crew that have been cooking like crazy. You know our meals. They're great meals. Uh, we do this for a couple reasons. One, you can come home from work. You don't have to try to feed the kids and, and get yourself here. Uh, but also, we want to uh, give you an opportunity to invite somebody to come with you, and we'll feed them for you. And uh, then that's at 6 o'clock. At 6.45, the kitchen closes, so everybody can start moving this direction for the 7 o'clock service. Uh, just a couple of reminders. Uh, we could use some help in cleanup. That would be after the service for about 10 or 15 minutes to get things ready for the next day. And we could also uh, remind you that uh, do, your, do your fellowshipping not at the tables. Uh, go and sit and eat and then fellowship out here so that the other people, because if everybody goes to eat, uh, we can't seat everybody. This is the way it works. So uh, it'll only seat about 120, and uh, that's more than, or that's not as many as there are in here. So uh, we also have kids program that starts tomorrow. Our interns will be uh, teaching the kids program. So uh, that's three years old to sixth grade. You're welcome to go out. We we'll meet in here. We sing after the song service. Away we go, and you'll be you'll be ready to go. Teen camp campaign. Last chance for you to. Uh, Put your birthday money in for the Teen Camp campaign that allows us to, uh, to help the kids earn money for camp. And uh, we, you as always do give well to that. We appreciate it. Uh, vacation Bible School just around the corner. Two weeks from today starts Vacation Bible School. Uh, that's Father's Day evening. And so that is three years old in the sixth grade, and we're looking forward to that as well. Yes, sir. Thank you. So what happens is they start in here and they end in here. And if, in order for us to accommodate that, we can't be in here at the beginning. You can be in here and watch the kids program part if you want. So they'll come in at 6.30, then they exit. We start our service at 7 o'clock. They come back in after our service is over at 8 o'clock, and it works out beautifully. It's not a problem at all. So uh, if you can kind of pay attention to that. Uh, so that's fun. Then we have Charity Myers' wedding shower. That's an S on Myers. We'll get that back on there at some point. Uh, so that's going to be on Sunday, June 25th. See Miss Cheryl Norwalt if you want to get involved in the group gift or go to Amazon or Walmart and find where they are registered. Looking forward to that. And our missionaries of the week are Luke and Charlotte Crockett in Mauritius and continue to pray for them as their ministry is starting up. They are in the process of actually putting the paperwork in to officially start their church. And so this month they've been spending, or last month they were spending all that time getting it and so ready to uh, get that church up and going officially. Looking forward to that. Let's have the men come. We'll take up an offering starting tomorrow. All of our offerings will go to uh, Brother Dave. And uh, so I'll remind you as we kind of work through this, uh, it's you kind of have to plan for things nowadays uh, because we don't have uh, cash on us like we used to. Have you noticed that? People don't carry cash. So tomorrow, or, uh, Tuesday night and Friday night, we will have, uh, for some of you, you'll love this and some of you are going to cringe, uh, but Austin Fury will be here with a group from West Coast Baptist Bible College. 
Uh, so you as a member of Brother, uh, Mr. Austin, he tried to take the church over while I was gone one Wednesday. Uh, but he was one of our interns a few years back, and uh, that's a different story. But anyway, he was always a joy, so he'll be here. Uh, so on those nights, we'll take up an offering for those kids as well, uh, just to be a blessing to them. But um, anyway, so you've got to kind of plan for the offerings as we work through uh, Friday, Monday through Friday. Brother Randy, would you ask God's blessing on the offering and upon the service tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much tonight that you love us, you care for us. Thank you for Jesus. Father, thank you for salvation. And Father, we've been praying and trusting you that you will just send a revival among us. Stir our hearts tonight, oh God, for your glory. And we thank you now, Father, for the gift and the giver. We pray that you will bless us to the, to the furtherance of the gospel for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. collect the offering. We'll go ahead and sing our first song of the night, And Can It Be? second verse now. He left his father's throne above so free so infinite his grace emptied himself of all but love and led for Let's raise 
remain standing. We'll have the scripture reading at this time. Thank you for remaining standing as we are in Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command thee them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priests' feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in a lodging place, where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called to twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. This may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then shall I answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan. As the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in a place where the feet of the priests, which bear the Ark of the Covenant, stood, and they are there unto this day. May the Lord prosper his word to where he sent it. You may be seated. All right, now we'll sing together, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou didst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come.
time on the first verse. Here we go. Yeah. 
Thank you guys for that, and good evening, church family. Take your Bible tonight, would you, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and a good Sunday evening to you. Hope you've had a wonderful Sunday afternoon, and uh, all of you that didn't get a nap, this is not the time, but uh, we're happy you're here. Thank you for being here. Hope you're making plans to join us every night, and uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you'll fly by. We're going to, uh, just so we got a lot going on, the... Uh, uh, youth events afterwards and all of that. It's just going to be a great week. Meals beforehand. So hope you're planning and looking forward to God just uh, meeting with us in every service. And a couple of things I want to tell you. First of all, did you notice I have a book table in the lobby? Did you all notice that? And I believe very strongly that God's people ought to read. And uh, our culture is so, you know, we're so distracted by media and TV and all of that. But uh, there's just some great, great things you can only get through reading, and I hope you'll consider that. If you get nothing else from our book table, get a prayer card, will you? On the front side is our ministry, on the back side is our podcast, and uh, so take one of those. And uh, here's just to give you an idea of some things you'll find on the table. Erwin Lutzer's book, We Will Not Be Silenced, is about responding courageously to our culture's assault on Christianity. Excellent book concerning the culture we live in and the events happening in real time in our generation. And then uh, John MacArthur's book called Right Thinking in a World Gone Wrong is an excellent book as well. This is one of the most powerful books I've read in a while that covers a lot of topics relative to our culture. And uh, so I really appreciate these men writing these things down. Both of them are very biblical, and I appreciate that. And then here's a book I read several years ago that uh, I just thought was excellent, and uh, I think many of you would enjoy it as well. It's called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, and it's a true story of a Muslim man who was trying to figure out who Jesus was, and in the midst of that came to be a believer. And it's a wonderful book. If many of you have heard of him, I'm sure. But that's an outstanding book, and, and I hope you'll take advantage of those. So I wanted you to know about our book table. Secondly, I wanted you to know that uh, my wife is with me. Did you all know that? And uh, if you haven't yet met Bethley Joy, I hope you will. We've been married almost 30 years. And come August, we'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary. And, you know, we have five youngins. It's like a bluegrass band, doesn't it? Dave Young and the Youngins, and uh, we have five of them, Abby and Joshua and Matthew and Jacob and our charity. Charity's here, and of course, Abby and Dave are married. They live in California. Josh and Bethany are married. They live in California. They have Ellie Joy, our granddaughter. Matt and Kareth are married. Most all of y'all know Matt, and Matt and Kareth are expecting a baby as well, and she or he is due in uh, November. We don't know which one yet, but we'll know soon. Matt is convinced it's a boy. And I told him the other day, I said, well, there's a 50-50 chance you're right. And uh, some in our culture wouldn't give it that percentage, but I'm convinced it's 50-50. Y'all with me on that? That's either going to be a boy or girl. Is that fair enough? But uh, I, I'm so, so thankful. Jake's studying for ministry, and he's uh, actually home working while we're here. But we're so happy to be with you all. And then thirdly, I just want to tell you, my friend Rodney Fitzsimmons is in the building. Do you all know Brother Rodney? And it's uh, so good to see you tonight, Brother Rodney. And I'm thankful, thankful, thankful for you and your ministry. I pray for you regularly, almost daily. 
and so thankful for Brother Rodney. I know y'all, these all support you, don't they? And uh, praise the Lord, you guys are supporting a worthy brother. And it's uh, so good to see you tonight, Brother Rodney, and I appreciate you coming. And uh, I, uh, I uh, just, I know you probably came to hear preaching, didn't you? I mean, just, or just, just to see Brother Ray, which was it? And uh, he's the one that writes the check and supports you, so probably see Brother Ray. So, uh, yeah, we understand. All right, First Peter chapter 1 in your Bible. If you're ready for God's Word, say amen. All right, the clock says it's 627, and you guys are always out by 9. Is that correct? So we've got plenty of time, so get comfortable. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. We're doing a series this week entitled Thriving thriving in a world like ours. Thriving in a world like ours. If you say to most people, how are you doing? They may say, I'm just surviving. But you know this, don't you? God did not save us just so we could survive. God saved us so we would thrive in a world like ours. You ever heard this statement? Uh, you, ever, you ever said this or heard this? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Is that true? Well, I guess sometimes. I've toured the Pentagon, and the reason I toured the Pentagon is because I met a guy. It wasn't because I knew anything. I didn't know how to get in, but I met a guy who had clearance, who had the access, who was able to get us in, and we toured the Pentagon because of who I knew. Uh, the RV I have in your parking lot is not anything I've ever done. It was because I knew somebody who knew somebody who was a millionaire. And the person I knew who knew the millionaire told the millionaire that he ought to give me a good deal, so he did. And therefore, I have a really nice RV because of who I knew. Like, I didn't know me, but I knew the right person. So there's some truth to that. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, it, it does matter. It does matter what you know. That's what Peter's writing to us right here. It matters not just who you know. We did talk about that this morning, who you know. You've got to know who God is. But you also have to know the, the, the facts of this text. The what does matter. When you think about thriving, it's true that God doesn't want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. Revival is not for survival. Reviving is for thriving. God does not want me and you just to survive in a culture like ours. He wants us 
to thrive in the culture like ours. Am I saying that enough? God wants you, church, to thrive. I read, uh, just doing some research on the word thriving and thinking about this text, and I came across an article written by a nurse, and she said a diagnosis that she had come across somewhere along the way was FTT, three initials, FTT, failure to thrive. How many of y'all know about that? I'd never heard that. A lot of you are in the medical field would know that. Failure to thrive could be the diagnosis given to an infant who won't, won't gain weight or isn't growing. Or maybe to describe a depression gets passed down and negatively affects others because of that depression. A failure to thrive. But I applied it religiously, spiritually, to the church. Uh, maybe failure to thrive is the description of a believer who is no longer full of love and joy and peace in their life. Failure to thrive is a believer that no longer reads the Bible and no longer wins souls and no longer is happy about serving the Lord. Failure to thrive could be a church that has lost its joy, or its love, or its unity. Failure to thrive. You see, thriving is life. It is living. It's about abundant, victorious living. Thriving is a weed that stubbornly pushes through a crack in the sidewalk. It insists on, it insists on living. It's fighting for life. Thriving is a baby's first step or first word. There's something always special about that, isn't there? Our grandbaby lives in California. Y'all pray for us. We live in Florida. And Ellie Joy, we're, this is a good age. She's at that age where we're, we're getting a lot of videos these days. First words. Her first words were, Dada. Those are good words. How many of y'all men agree with that? Those are good words. Dada. She just this past week said, Mama. And that got posted on social media today. Mama. Those are big words. That's thriving. Uh, those first steps. Uh, she's um, a little bit of an overachiever. Uh, she's, uh, what, seven or eight months old now? She's nine months old now, but uh, for over a month now she's been walking. And, uh, I mean, she's on the go. She's a little bit of an overachiever. She's thriving. Thriving is a baby's first step or first step. Thriving is a believer who's growing and enjoying serving the Lord. That's thriving. How long has it been since you had the joy of the Lord in your life? I mean, a happy Christian, just I can't wait to serve God. I'm walking with God. I'm on fire for God. I've got the joy of the Lord in my life. How long has that been true in your life? How long has that been since you knew God like that? Thriving is a church that's alive and unified and making a difference in a world like ours. That's thriving. That's God's plan, that you would thrive. You and I are called to thrive in this world of ever-increasing darkness and suffering. You know, we look this morning in First Peter, and we, we, we learn from this writing here in the first chapter that these strangers scattered abroad here probably are scattered abroad because of persecution. Here are believers that know the Lord, and because times were hard in that generation, they've now had to move to different places. They live in, in verse 1, in Pontus, or Galatia, or Cappadocia, or Asia, or Bithynia. And they live there because times are rough, times are hard. And we find that God knows all about them in verse 2. He chose them because He, he knew them, and His plan was they would be sanctified by the Spirit, and they would be sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, and therefore obey Him so they could have His grace and His peace multiplied in their lives. It's a wonderful text. We find in the passage that what's happening in their life in verse 6 is they're going through heaviness, through manifold temptations. And their faith is being tried. If you remember, I read to you in chapter 4 
In chapter 4, he tells us more about them and he lets us know that they were having fiery trials in their life. They were partakers of the sufferings of Jesus. In other words, this was a tough time. How many of y'all know that we are living in a tough hour? How many of y'all know that? And this is a tragic hour and a challenging hour, but I'm telling you again, church, God didn't save us to survive this generation. He put us here on purpose so we could thrive in the world in which we live. So if you and I are called to thrive, how do we do it? And I've given you these words we're going to talk about this week. Number one, we have to know. Number two, we have to grow. Number three, we have to sow. Number four, we have to glow. And number five, we have to follow. And that's where we're headed in the week. So today we're on the word know. We've already examined the fact that Peter is telling us you have to know who God is. There's two more things he wants you to know. Number one here tonight, you have to know what you have. And number two, you have to know what you are supposed to do. Know what you have, know what you're to do. That's where we are. This morning, know who God is. Tonight, know what you have. And number two, know what you're supposed to do. Now, what do we have? All right? So look here in the Bible, verse 3. You got verse 3? If you got it, say amen. All right. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a, here's the words, lively hope. Say those two words. You ready? A lively hope. Now, that word lively is a great word, and it means living. It's an old English word. We have a living hope. How many of y'all believe that? Are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? You have a living hope. We're not just playing games. We're not just going through the motions. We're not just some religious group of people who's got a little religious system we follow. Jesus is alive from the dead. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. Our hope is alive. Are you following this tonight? Peter wants you to know, in a world like ours, you have something that is alive. Your hope in a salvation is as certain as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have a living hope. It's as certain as His resurrection. And Jesus rose from the dead to prove He was more than a man, didn't He? To show us that He was deity. To prove He had authority over death and hell and the grave. And to prove that His offer of eternal life is a valid offer. How many churches will tell you, this is how you go to heaven? You ask ten people, how do you get to heaven? You can get twelve different answers. But you go to the Bible and you find out there's a living Savior named Jesus Christ. And because He died and was buried and was raised from the dead, when He offers you eternal life, that's a valid offer. Our hope is alive. It's, it's a living hope. You have that in your life. It's easy to get over that, isn't it? It's easy to get your eyes on D.C. It's easy to get your eyes on Fox News. It's easy to get your eyes on CNN. It's an easy thing in the world we live in to think, well, there's no hope and the world's falling apart. And what in the world are we going to do? Can I tell you tonight, what we're going to do is put our hope in a living Savior who is as real as real can be and can change lives and still is in charge of a world like ours. You have a living hope. You ought to know that and you ought to rejoice in that. Number two, you have an inheritance. Now, I like this, don't you? Verse four. To an inheritance, here he describes it, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. An inheritance. I, uh, I love my mom and dad. I wish y'all could meet them. There's countries the day is long. I'm just talking countries I'll get out. My dad is probably, uh, probably a redneck. And, and we don't, you know, in our ministry, we don't judge people by the color of their neck. And so if you're a redneck, we'll still minister to you. My dad just countries and all. He just cracks me up. He's a funny man. He doesn't mean to be. He's, he never finished high school. He never went to college. 
that a hardworking man, one of the wisest men I know, he knew about anything. My dad's the kind of guy that some years ago bought his first brand new truck. Never had a new truck in his life. He went and bought a brand new truck and called me and was telling me about it. I, son, I bought me a brand new truck. And I said to my dad, what would you do with the old one? Because my thinking was, at that time, my kids are getting ready to drive. And my dad's old truck is a standard four-speed on the floor. How many of y'all know you can't drive a truck like that in text? Y'all, y'all picking up what I'm laying down here? Y'all tracking me? So I'm thinking, this would be a good truck to buy a little Ford Ranger. And I thought, this would be a good truck to train my kids to drive. So my dad bought a new truck. Dad, what would you do with the old truck? And my dad said, well, son, I kept it. And here's exactly what he said. You don't think I'm going to drive that new one, do you? That was exactly what he said. You don't think I'm going to drive the new one? That's a new one. I'm driving that. He still got that new truck. It's probably only got 12,000 miles on it. They drive it to church on Sunday night because that's what they do. Take the new truck to church on Sunday night. I uh, was going to see my parents some years ago. And heading up that way, my mom kept calling me, and uh, she was checking, you know, you're still coming, you're still coming. Yes, yeah, she, oh, I can't wait for you to get here. She said, I got something to show you. Well, my mom, this is not how they talk. Normally, they don't care if we come or not, and we show up. They're the kind of people that are so laid back, they don't even get up. <laughs> you walk in the house, they just look at you, and they're like, hello, come on in. That's my family. Now, Bethley's family is the exact opposite. They're loud and... You know, you know, that kind of people, and, and our family is so different. My mom just, she was so, you know, I can't wait for you to get here. I got something to show you. Got something to show you. And I, well, what is it? Well, you got to get here. I'll show you. And, and when I got there, my folks live way out in the country, in the middle of nowhere, in Wartburg, Tennessee. And I got there, and you know what she wanted to show me? They had paved their driveway. They were so proud of themselves. They paved their driveway. It's right, wasn't it, honey? They were so excited. They paid. My brother lived next door to them, and he came down and said, What do you think? I said, What do you think? He said, I'll tell you what I think. Mom and Dad are spending our inheritance. That's what they're doing. <laughs> and I kind of agreed with him. There it goes. We may not get much of an inheritance. We have a paved driveway. And I, I, I like that. It's just my mom and Dad. Here's what the Bible says. You know that because you're a child of God and because you have a living hope, you have an inheritance, and the Bible describes it here as incorruptible and undefiled and fades not away, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Now, how many of y'all still believe in heaven, do you? Y'all still believe in heaven? I mean, really, do you really? Reserved in heaven? Let's talk about heaven for a moment. When I was a kid, we, we always had church on Sunday night, and and Sunday night, the country churches where I grew up were different than a lot of churches. We, did, we weren't worried about time. We had nothing else to do, so we went to church. And uh, services, you know, I went one time to a country church up Pine Knot, Kentucky. I was a young preacher boy. I was a senior in high school preaching. And the preacher up there invited me. He's an, a great uncle of mine. His name, we spelled it I-R-A, which I think is Ira. But that's not what they called him. We called him Uncle Ari. have no idea why. Try as I could, I couldn't get Ari out of IRA. But everybody called him Uncle Ari, and I remember him because he also dipped snuff. I remember that. He was the pastor of the church. He was my great uncle in the country church, Pine Knock, Kentucky, and he'd always talk to you with a little dipper snuff in there. And every so often he'd pause, you know, spit it into a you know, little spit cup he carried. His Sunday night service was exciting. It lasted two hours and 45 minutes, Sunday night service. They sang for an hour and 45 minutes. 
and then asked me to come preach. I was a senior in high school. I preached 25 minutes. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. There's not a chance of that happening tonight. But I preached 25 minutes, and apparently they didn't think that was long enough. Because after I got done preaching and sat down, they called the instruments, instrumentalists back up. They had a southern gospel pianist who played like this. And they had a couple of guitars and a banjo and a fiddle and a mandolin and a couple other things. It was always live and exciting. They even had a prayer meeting before that service ended, right there in the service. And they called people forward and laid hands on them and anointed them with oil and prayed they'd be healed in the name of Jesus, one of those kind of prayer meetings. And then they uh, called for a prayer meeting and said, Now, if you know anybody in your life that you think needs the power of God in their life and needs a touch of God, lay hands on them. And it's one of the most frightening things that ever happened to me because 45 people laid hands on me. And uh, I got as claustrophobic as I've ever been in my life. I barely survived that prayer meeting. So many people laid hands on me. I thought the sermon wasn't that bad. And, you know, but I, I remember those country churches. There was a song that we used to sing all the time in those country churches entitled, How Beautiful. Heaven must be. I haven't sung that in years. I looked up the words. We read of a place that's called heaven. It's made for the pure and the free. These truths in God's word he hath given. How beautiful heaven must be. The chorus said, how beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. One of the verses says, pure water of life. There are pure waters of life. There are flowing and all who will drink may be free. Rare jewels of splendor are glowing. How beautiful heaven must be. The angels so sweetly are singing up there by the beautiful sea. Sweet chords from their gold harps are ringing. How beautiful heaven must be. How many of you remember that song? Anybody here remember that? Now when we sing in our country churches, it took us three days to sing it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those country folks would sing it. They had to feel it. How beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. I always thought, I hope heaven's more excited than this singing. Because <laughs> it was so serious and somber. But here's what the Bible says, you got an inheritance in heaven. Do you all believe in heaven tonight? Revelation describes it like this. Revelation says it's beautiful because of who won't be there. The fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the adulterers, the liars. It's beautiful because of what won't be there. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. No wonder they said how beautiful heaven must be. It's beautiful because of who will be there. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city hath no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Do you believe in heaven tonight? The Bible says, here's what you've got to know. In a world like ours, don't forget the fact that there's a real God and He's alive and well. And don't forget the fact that you have an inheritance in heaven that is just as real as God Himself. Don't forget that, church. Don't get over that. Don't get your eyes so caught up in this world that you forget there's a land that is fairer than day. Don't forget that. Heaven is real. Don't let anything in this world trouble you. See, if you're a child of God, you can't, you can't scare a child of God with heaven, can you? Now think about that. He says, oh my goodness, what if we die? Well, do you believe in heaven? Now I don't plan to die. I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to. 
But I feel pretty good tonight. I look good, don't I? That was a place for an amen, not a chuckle. For crying out loud. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Count on one. I feel pretty good tonight. I'm, I, I feel healthy. I, as far as I know, I'm well. But I know, I know it's a point on a man wants to die, right? But see, don't let this world scare you about that. Heaven's real. You can't scare a child of God with it. COVID was serious, wasn't it? I got friends in heaven because of COVID. Some of you do as well, don't you? But there was no reason for us to be all, all scared to death. Aren't you a child of God? So if COVID takes my life, is this real or not? Do I have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, reserved in heaven for me? I'm going to a land that is fairer than day. I can be happy about that, can I? Heaven's wonderful. Y'all believe that or not? Rejoice in that. You're a child of God. You've got to know that. The world is falling apart, but heaven is real. Don't miss that. That's what Peter's trying to remind us of in this text. Heaven is real. Believe that. It's a glorious thing. Don't you feel sorry for Lazarus in the Bible? Do you remember Lazarus? He died. They buried him. Jesus brought him back. I can't prove this, but I think he came out of the tomb mad. I think he was like, seriously? I mean, can, can you imagine? And then the rest of his life, you know, the disciples, or the, uh, the Jews all get together the rest of his life, and they're like, you know what, we're going we're to kill him again. We'll just put him to death. I just, I feel sorry for him. He was in heaven. Can you imagine that land and how real that is? You older folks, don't you sit in front of Fox News and let this world you live in get you down and discouraged. There is a land that is fairer than day, and you have an inheritance there if you're a child of God. You believe that. Don't you young folks look around and get cynical. Don't get there rolling your eyes and thinking there's no hope in this world and the world's falling apart. And I meet young people now, they're like, why should we get married? You know, the world's a mess. I don't want to have any kids in this world. Listen, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. There's a God in heaven bigger than the mess of this world. And, and Peter's trying to remind us, God, God knows we live in this messed up world. That's the point of this. He knows what's going on. He knows. So rejoice in this. You, you are a child of God. You've got to know that. You have a living hope. You have an inheritance reserved in heaven. Know that. Understand that. Notice in the fifth verse, you have eternal security. Doesn't that put you on shouting ground? Aren't you glad that you're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time? It's ready. Uh, the Bible says in one passage, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for, this, uh, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And the Lord shall... The Bible says, deliver me from every evil work and preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You have an eternal security tonight and you ought to rejoice in that. See, you can't save yourself. How many of y'all know that? You can't save yourself. How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all know you're a sinner and if you got what you deserve, there's not a chance in the world you'd go to heaven. How many of y'all know that? Not a chance. Not a chance at all. And aren't you glad there's a Savior named Jesus Christ who died for your sins, was buried for your sins, and was raised from the dead with victory over your sins, over death, over the hell, over the grave itself. And that Savior offers eternal life freely to whosoever will believe. Aren't you thankful for that? 
And when you believe in that Savior, He's the one who does all the saving. You have to believe. He won't force you, so you have to believe. I can't explain that to you. I don't understand that, but that's Bible truth. God is the one who does all the saving, but He doesn't save anybody until they're willing to believe. I can't understand that. I can explain that to you, but I can prove that to you from the Bible. He saves those who believe. Have you believed on Jesus? Have you come to Him? Come unto me, he says, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, he says. Turn to me, he says. Believe on me, the Bible says. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by him. The only way you can be saved is through Jesus, but you gotta come. You gotta believe. You gotta turn. You gotta, you gotta call on him. You gotta admit you're a sinner and that you need him and believe on him. He's the one who does all the saving. You can't save yourself, but you can't keep yourself saved either. Did you know that? You're not smart enough. You're not wise enough. You're certainly not spiritual enough. Stay amen right there. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that a description of all of our lives? Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Doesn't that describe our lives? We just fail and go the wrong direction. And yet the day you came to Jesus and were born into the family of God, here's the promise of God for you. You are kept by His power unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It's a Bible way of saying, you know what? You're looking at a man. I'm so saved that in the sight of Almighty God, I'm already in heaven. It's that, it's that, it's that true. It's that right. It's that real. Rejoice in that. Is this world falling apart? Yes, but you can thrive if you'll know this. And here's what you gotta know. You gotta know that you have a living hope. Don't get, don't get over that. You gotta know, you gotta know this if you're gonna thrive. You gotta know that you have an inheritance in heaven and that's real. And you gotta know that you have eternal security. That's Bible truth. And you've gotta know that you have a salvation that the angels can't even comprehend. I don't have time to preach that. But you ought to meditate on that this week. Because he says in this passage that the angels have desired to look into our salvation. The idea of that is the angels themselves, they're in awe that the God of heaven like, loves sinners like us. They're in awe of that. They're, they're wowed by that. Do you all know that term? How long has it been since you've been real wowed? I'm talking about just really overwhelmed, just like wow. Of anything wowed you lately? Wow. Man, wow. The angels look at what God's done for us, and they're wowed by that. The, the last verse I read to you says, they, uh, which things the angels desire to look into. Is that they want to understand. What, what, why, why? They don't understand. They're wowed by that. What a reminder for me and you that we have a salvation that even the angels can't comprehend. They're, they're saying things like, would you look at that? Would you, would you look at it? Wonder, wonder what they thought when God saved you. <laughs> Do you think any of the angels said, can you believe that? He saved her. My goodness, he saved him. They desire to look into that. Chew on that a moment. I, can't, I don't have time to preach on that, but you ought to chew on that. There ought to be a little wow in your life tonight. Your salvation is so amazing. The angels themselves are wowed by it. Don't get over being saved. Don't get over being saved. Part of thriving is just remembering that your salvation is something amazing. You, have, you are a child of God. Your sins are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. God is real and you're part of His family. Does that not wow you tonight? Doesn't that overwhelm you? Praise God, that ought to. The angels are wowed by that. That's a good word. I like that word. Don't you wow? 
Wow, I have a pastor friend over in Ohio, and that was his word. Some preachers say, Amen. Some say, Hallelujah. Some will say, Praise God. He always said, Wow. You'd say, God so loved the world. And he'd say, Wow. Right out loud in the service, Wow. Never, I never got over that. I loved that. Wow. I had this one preacher down in Louisiana, and he would always say, That's good stuff. That's his sermon. I'd preach, God so loved the world. He'd say, That's good stuff. He said that all the time. And one night I was preaching there. And I was preaching on the family. And I was talking about training your children in the truths of God's Word. And I gave a family illustration about the day my son Josh was learning to read. And I was illustrating that you've got to teach your children the truth because if you don't teach them, they won't know. And I was telling a story about how my son Josh, he's five years old, and he was sounding out a word. And his word was beer. And my point was that you've got to teach your kids the truth or they won't know. But when I got that illustration, I said, Josh was sounding, he's five years old, he sounded out a word one day, and he sounded out and he said, beer. And I was going to illustrate, I was going to illustrate, you've got to teach your kids the truth of God's word every chance you get. And I said, my son was sounding out that word. And then uh, the pa- I said the word, the pastor behind me said, that's good stuff! And I... Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, I know you're agreeing with my illustration, but that is not the right place for that phrase. But my pastor friend's word is always in the right place. Wow. Wow. How long has it been since you were wild, church? Thriving is knowing what you have. How long has it been since you stopped long enough to remember who you are and what you have? And there's one last thing. We've got just a couple of moments here. In the verses I read to you, here's what you've got to know today. This is our first word. How do you thrive in a messed up world like ours? It starts with what you know. What you know. You've got to know who God is. That was the morning service. You've got to know what you have. That's our first point tonight. And last of all, you've got to know what to do. And there's three things I'm going to show you here real quick. Number one, you've got to recognize what's going on. Number two, he says here, you've got to rejoice. Number three, you've got to receive. You don't have to recognize what's going on. I call that the facts. Back up in verse 1, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers, plural. Now, I suppose that's just a practical thing. But there's also a lesson involved in that plural word. You remember this is a time where these dear brothers and sisters are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Remember that? And their faith is being tried. They are living in a world where to be a Christian means you can lose your job and have to leave your homeland and start all over in a new city, find a new church family, maybe never see some of your friends ever again. He's writing to these people. One of the things he's wanting them to know here is that, number one, they weren't alone. They were in this together. Don't ever let the devil tell you you're the only one. Nobody else faces these battles you're facing. Don't let the devil tell you that. You are never alone. All of us live under the curse of sin, meaning we all live in a sin-cursed world. 
And the devil is a master at trying to get you to feel like, you know what, nobody else battles the sin I battle. Nobody else faces the problems I'm facing. Nobody else has the hardships that I have. Nobody else, nobody else is going through the heaviness of my manifold temptation. But what you've got to recognize, first of all, is you're not alone. You're not alone. The second thing you've got to recognize is it's only a season. Verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season. Are you not thankful that all the heaviness and problems of life, they're seasonal? Aren't you glad for that? They're seasonal. And somebody says, yeah, but sometimes the heaviness, the problems take us home to glory. Can I remind you that's seasonal? There's coming a day there'll be no more suffering, no more sickness, no more disease, no more, no more cancers, no more problems, no more trials. Can, can somebody help me here tonight? There's coming a day that season's going to pass. And praise God, we will be in a land where there's no more of that. You've got to know that. You've got to recognize the facts here. Recognize what's going on. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not the only one that's had to be scattered throughout Pontus or Galatia or Cappadocia or Asia or Bithynia. You, you, God knows all that's going on and He wants to sanctify you in His Spirit. God is in charge of all this. God knows. He understands. And this is only a season. Don't ever get over that. This is only a season. And, 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 and notice, this is about your faith being tried. Your faith is, is precious. It's, um, it's, it's uh, something incredible, and your faith is under fire. Your faith is being tried. Know that. Church, could it be that the darkness of this hour is just a trial of our faith? The negativity of this hour is just a trial of our faith. Do I believe or not? As the world's falling apart and sin is abounding and suffering seems on every hand, is there a real God? Do I believe or not? My faith and your faith is under trial. You know that, don't you? Recognize that. What am I to do in a world like this? Recognize, recognize what's going on. I'm not alone. This is only a season and my faith is being tried. Secondly, rejoice. You saw that, didn't you? In verse 6, wherein you greatly rejoice. You see it again in verse 8. This God, I love Him. I, this Jesus, I love Him. Are you all with me on that? I love Him. And, and I, I, I don't see Him. I, I, I haven't seen Him, yet I believe. And because I believe, I rejoice, verse 8 says, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, verse 6 says, you rejoice in what you have. What, what you have. You have, a, you have a season, so you rejoice in that. And Verse 8, you rejoice in what you know. You know, don't you, that God is real. You rejoice. That's our feelings. Recognize what you have. That's the facts. You've got to know the facts. But rejoice, that's the feelings. Aren't you glad Christianity is not some cold, cut, and dry little religious exercise? It's so real, there's feelings in it. Aren't you glad for that? Feeling's an awesome thing, isn't it? How many of y'all are married? Are you in love? Isn't that a great feeling? I'm glad two of you are happily married. And, uh, <laughs> aren't you in love? Isn't it great to be in love? That's a good feeling, isn't it? Aren't you glad? It's real. I'm in love. Woo, I'm in love. That's my, that's my sweetheart right here. I'm in love. That's the most beautiful lady I've ever laid eyes on. I'm in love with her. Wow. <laughs> Simmer down now, brother. Uh, <laughs> this is good, isn't it? This is a feeling. Aren't you glad for feelings? Talk to me, aren't you? Aren't you glad this world's not just some cold, calculated, hard, and we didn't... No, there's... Rejoice, he says. How many of y'all like this verse? The joy of the Lord is your what? So get some joy in your life again. The fruit of the, lo the, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. 
Somebody said that an unhappy Christian is a poor testimony of God's grace and mercy and goodness. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We're to serve the Lord with gladness. Jesus said, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. When Philip preached Christ in Samaria, the Bible describes it, there was great joy in that city. God's people ought to be a happy people. See, you don't know what I'm going through. I, I, I know. Seasons of heaviness happen. But the Bible is very clear here that the seasons of happiness for a believer should also include joy. I don't have to be beat down by the seasons I'm going through because I have a God bigger than my seasons. I don't want to be discouraged by living in a dark world like ours where it seems like nothing makes sense anymore and you're almost afraid to turn the news on to find out what the new bad news is going to be. I can rejoice because there is a God I know who is real and alive and well. And I'm His. And He is mine. And I am His forevermore. And He is mine forevermore. I'm to rejoice. You start by recognizing what's going on, church. You've got to know the facts. Yes, this is a messed up world, but you're not alone. Yes, there are seasons of heaviness, but they're only a season. And yes, your faith is being tried, but even God's in charge of that. Faith is bigger than the trial. And there's rejoicing. Get your feelings involved. Get joy in your heart again. Get happiness in your soul again. Sing a little bit more. Worship a little bit more. How long has it been since you had a song in your heart? Maybe it'd be good for you to sing tomorrow. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And what's the chorus saying? Happy, so very happy. I got the love of Jesus in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. Aren't y'all happy to clap in church? See, get some joy in your life again. Let, let, don't, don't, let, don't let Fox News tear you down. Don't let the political situation discourage you. There's a God who's real. Rejoice, worship again. Don't just come to church and go through the motions. Put your heart into it. God is real. Let's thrive in our generation. Don't just sing these songs. I mean, sing them with all your heart. You know the difference in that, don't you? You can sing just as I am and just survive it. Just as I am. Or you can put your heart into it, right? This is about thriving. This is the foundation for the whole week, so you've got to get it. You've got to know who God is. You've got to know what you have, and you've got to know what you're supposed to do. You're to recognize the facts. You're to rejoice. That's feelings. And then you're to receive, he says that in verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. This is a Bible way of, of just saying this. Receiving means that you're going to have it. It's a done deal. Salvation was theirs, and so much so that it was considered already done. And so we've come to the end of this first point in this series of messages. We have to know who God is and what we have and what we're to do. And so I invite you tonight to start there. My dear friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ, meet Him. Call on Him. Turn to Him. Believe on Him. 
Get to know Him. He's a wonderful Savior. He'll take away your sins and give you everlasting life if you'll believe on Him and Him alone. Well, if you're far from Jesus tonight, return to Him. Make things right. Let Him have His way with you. If you've lost your joy, then pray about that tonight. Make some changes and let your joy return. Let your joy return. If you lost your wonder, if you've lost your wow, let it return. Get to singing again. Start worshiping again. Get back to the Bible. Get on your knees again. Get on fire for Jesus in this messed up world. Serve somebody this week. Minister to somebody this week. Win somebody to Jesus this week. Let's, let's return. Let's thrive. Have I made sense? God wants you to thrive. You've been a good audience tonight. Bethany's going to come to the piano. She's going to play our hymn tonight. As she comes, would you just reflect for a moment? Remember the question of the morning service? How are you doing? Spiritually? How are you doing, teenagers? How are you doing, young adults? How are you doing, families? How are you doing, older folks? First Peter is reminding us God wants us to thrive. Let's stand on our feet quietly. Let's bow our heads. Turning our hearts and our thoughts and our minds to the Lord. Let's have a revival invitation. Let's pray fervently. Let's take a step closer to God. Let's kneel if we should. Pray either way. If you don't know Christ, if you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, if you'd want to know Jesus as your God and Savior, you pray. And while everybody else is praying, Pastor and I meet you at the front if you'd let us. We'd help you to know. Jesus is a wonderful Savior. Father, just pour out your Spirit on this invitation. And before we walk out of this building tonight, help us to thrive again. Somebody needs their joy restored. Somebody needs their worship restored. Somebody needs to get on fire for you again. Somebody needs encouragement in the darkness of a situation they're facing. And all of us need to be what we ought to be so we can make a difference in the darkness of this world. Help us tonight. Pour out your Spirit on us, I pray. My sweetheart's playing our hymn of invitation. You just pray while she does. upon Jesus church look full into his wonderful face things of this earth will grow strangely dim 
Let her play one more verse. You be praying. You pray. Draw closer to God. Let new life flood your soul tonight. Joy, victory, peace. If you're not saved, believe on the Lord Jesus. Turn to Him. Call on Him. Trust Him. Thank you so much for listening to God's Word today. Let's thrive this week. All right. Be back tomorrow night, 6 o'clock to eat and 7 o'clock for the service. Looking forward to that. Thank you, Brother Dave. What a joy it is. Brother Rodney, would you step up here, please? I'm going to ask you to dismiss us in a word of prayer. Rodney Fitzsimmons has been one of our missionaries for, if I say it, then it's going to make us sound really old, so I'm not going to say it. But it's been years and years, and uh, what a joy he's with the Carpenters Project now. used to be a... down in Haiti for about 25 years now with the Carpenters Project. And good to have you with us. Good to be here. Thank God bless you. Let's pray. Father, this evening, press upon our hearts. And this week, Lord, how desperately we need you. And to believe your promise that if we will draw nigh unto you, that you will draw nigh unto us. Lord, I pray for your preaching of this week, Lord, that, that hearts would be open and attentive. Lord, that souls would be saved, that people would be ministered to. Bless Brother Dave and the family as they minister this week. Help us as we go our ways. Lord, help us to be mindful and meditate upon what we've heard tonight and be rejoicing in the great salvation we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. If uh, if you're available, somebody, somebody needs a ride home, if you could see me, that'd be great. If you're also available, our three interns are going to head to the... uh, to the uh, fellowship hall and get it set up table-wise. Pastor Andrew, can you let them know what tables go where? If you want to help them, that'd be great. So they can move those around quickly. And then, of course, fellowship with one another. Stick around, see Brother Dave. Go stop by the table out there. God bless you. You are just.